Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Again, it's a delight to be here today. Uh, Fun to look out over the crowd and see Chris and Eileen Hamilton. And they never changed. I mean, 20 years ago. They looked identical. They actually looked older then than they do now. We don't have old people here at Reach. We just have people who are getting closer to Jesus. Amen? And there's some sayings I'm going to say. You don't retire, you what? You refire. So uh, the best is yet to happen. Now, uh, I'm going to, if I could have the keyboard player and Megan, uh, I'm going to set a timer. And when that timer goes up, if you would walk up, because I never go long. Uh, when that timer goes off, if you'll walk up and just, I'm going to have a little bit of strolling and just a response. And again, if you're new here and you've never given your life to Christ, that'll be, give you an opportunity to, to trust in Christ as your Savior. Uh, but I believe this is a message that we kind of want to respond to. So when this timer comes up, if you'll come up and just kind of play whatever, and then uh, after two minutes, or at, give me two minutes talking and then kind of start playing. In other words, Randy, please stop talking. All right? <clears throat> so I'm going to put this here. I think it's starting. No, where? How that? Well, somebody got a phone. Just Could you just set it at, Deacon set it at 35 minutes? Is that about right, Heath? Where's Heath? About 35 minutes? <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> now, we know that 20... 24 is a pivotal year uh, in this nation. Uh, I'm going to start with this thing. There's a little saying. How many of you ever heard this uh, saying, liar, liar, pants on fire? Okay. Now, this year, if you turn on the TV, uh, you need to be careful that if you turn on to a news station, there, you don't see some spontaneous combustion taking place. All right. Uh, because most of, what we're not gonna, well, most of what we'll probably hear on the news stations probably is not accurate. All right. Uh, most of it may even be a little bit deceptive, and uh, we're going to have to learn how to hear from God and uh, be able to discern between what's right and what's wrong. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. All right. <clears throat> so, again, um, recently we shared a vision night uh, sermon ser- series of sermons at Grace Church in Southern Pines. And uh, Ryan Peterson, my son-in-law, used this verse and it was <clears throat> Daniel 9, 11:32. It says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And, but the people who know their God, and there, there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And that means an intimate personal relationship where it's not something you know about, but something you walk with and live with every day. And it says they will be strong, they will be confident, they'll be healthy, and then they do great exploits. And so I want to talk today about believing God for really speaking to you and a life that is well-lived and a life that is going day-to-day experiencing great exploits. 
and expecting God to do amazing things in your life. <clears throat> so some of you don't know me. Some of you do know me. Uh, and there's a little bit of a credibility of when people talk about what my life story is about uh, is that I've always had an ability to learn how to hear from God and developed a consistency with that to such a degree that God has spoken to me many, 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 many times, even about coming to hear. Uh, and the things that he's told me were going to happen have become reality. Uh, and so if you're going to believe God for, and but does that mean that I'm still not a sinner? Does that doesn't mean I'm still a fragile, half-broken person, but I'm strong, but I walk with a limp? Amen? Jacob. <clears throat> so, so I want to really just, help you to grab a hold, that we're living in a pivotal time. So the reason I turned my church over to my son-in-law, Ryan, who's just an amazing godly man, is I felt like God began to speak to me several years ago. He says, Randy, first of all, small groups, I think, is one of the key pivotal areas that God is going to move in the next 10 years. And and if, if it doesn't become the top priority of leadership development and small group ministry, especially in the home, not so much associated to a building, but God's on the move. But <clears throat> I remember uh, calling my pastor several years ago, and I felt like God spoke to me. He said, Randy, I'm going to begin to pour out my spirit on the nation. And God's telling me, Randy, Isaiah 54, it's time to enlarge your tent pegs. Uh, rapid expansion is coming into the body of Christ, and you guys need to begin to prepare. So I called up Michael Fletcher, my pastor, uh, in <coughs> Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, they launched us, the, like I said, 36, 37 years ago. And we moved in June of 1988. Anybody born after or before? Before. <coughs> okay, so you kind of know where. So we've been doing this a long time. And just so you know, we didn't make it past 100 people for 10 years. I remember there was a time when God told me, Randy, their Grace Church is going to be 4,000 men. And I'm going, Lord... I've been doing this church thing, working two jobs, 13 years, and I have 35 men 10 years into the church plant, and we're going to have 4,000 men. Now, it's not hard today to, to believe that we're, we'll have 4,000 men with the, what God has done. But there's been a proving process that we've had to get there. Now, God's been speaking to me. This is what he's telling me. He says, Randy, I need you to give up your church that you've lived your whole entire life for the last 35 years for, because I need you to begin to prepare the body of Christ for what is getting ready to happen. And uh, I'm going to begin to pour out my spirit upon this nation. And then we have a season of preparation, and then there's going to be some seasons of difficulties that hit this nation. And that uh, I'm to begin to work with pastors and leaders, pastoring pastors and helping pastors begin to prepare uh, again, a lot of times I'm going into groups now where we're starting them in multiple counties around us. Hopefully we'll get a group going here in this area. Is getting pastors together, praying together, preparing for the kingdom of God together. And again, I like the word spiritual move of God because when you say the word revival, people have different connotations. One, a revival could be a tent that they pop up and they preach and they go home. Well, I'm a, God, God told me to prepare for a spiritual move of God. That means there's a deep hunger and an awakening for the things of God. There's a hunger where people 
uh, are you just start seeing God do amazing things. Uh, people, there's a conviction for sin that seems like it's heightened. And things that you tolerated, God says, it's, you can't do that anymore. And just people coming to know the Lord. But the problem is when I talk to most of these pastor groups, I ask the question, if true outpouring of the Holy Spirit like Acts chapter 1 and 2 happen, is the church prepared to handle that growth? So asking Heath and Jody, who are, by the way, my most favorite couples, and Heath is successful. He has an amazing life. And he we, he does. <laughs> uh, and they're just fun. We we just sat around last night, uh, yesterday, just had a blast talking about all the things we've done through ministry and just difficulties we've had to overcome. But it was a blast. <clears throat> but God's saying, begin to prepare my church for a major spiritual move of God. And it's not one church. It's like when the Holy Spirit move, begins to move in an area. If the people of God are gathered together in unity, praying for churches, walking together in churches, making prayer a priority. And again, when God's starting to move, there's just a hunger for prayer. There's the need for discipline for prayer, but there's, they're just, you just start seeing things happen. A lot of people start coming to Christ. But in the midst of that, God has to prepare his people. So guess what? This is a season when I believe a lot of God's people are going through some pretty adverse, difficult situations because God needs to prepare the heart of his people for what he's about ready to do. So small groups, learning how to hear from God, trusting God to speak to you where God guides, he what? Let's say that one more time. Where God guides, he provides. Amen? <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> but the people who know their God shall be strong and will carry out great exploits. Now, the other day when Ryan was sharing this message, there was a couple that had gone on vacation in our church at the beach not far from here, uh, and they had a boat that uh, they were diving with another father and son, two fathers and sons, and the boat, uh, when they dropped them off, somehow didn't stay attached to where they were, or GPS or something. And so... When they, when they came back to surface, the boat was gone, and uh, there was such a strong riptide. So that was at 9 o'clock in the morning. At 2 o'clock in the morning, these four, two dads and two sons, were so far out to sea that they had lost hope. Uh, the dad was an ex- excellent athlete, but he was so exhausted. All they had between them, and they dropped all their surf, uh, swimming equipment, was they had uh, uh, a little noodle, one of those little noodles between the four of them. And then the son said, well, I can see a lighthouse far away. Let me, let me swim and see if I can't do that. And then he was just surrounded by sharks. And, but during that time, the dad said, God told me that we were going to make it through. And so he held on to that. We're going to make it through. God says, I'm going to be with you. You're not going to die. And all he had was a a noodle and a promise from God. And uh, he was, all four of them were passed. So so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got a clock call at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was in Colorado. And uh, where my family's from. And uh, they, they can't find them. The boat, they think that they had some bad oxygen in the tank. And it may have killed them, and, and they had weights, so the weights would have held them down. So 
at 2 o'clock. So everybody's praying all over for these people that uh, nobody can find. And the Coast Guard, they're flying. And finally, he had a little wrist bracelet where it's like you break them and they glow. And the fog had set in. And it was, again, it's 2 o'clock. They've already just, this was, they, the Coast Guard was going to do one last search. And because of the fog setting in, it was like a, it magnified that little light. And they just started, one well, of the Coast Guard says, we're going to do one more sweep, 27 miles out from the original location. It's almost to the place where they no longer can see the curve, the curve of the ocean, the earth. And so they just waved, and finally they rescued them. So on this Sunday, last Sunday, I, I, uh, or two Sundays ago, I said, hey, why don't you share your testimony to this couple that God had rescued them? And the wife said this, which one? I want to talk to you about which one. Which one means that I've been walking with God for a long time. I don't have one story, but I have lots of stories of God's faithfulness, God's consistency, God rescuing, God answering prayer, God changing my marriage, God changing. How many of you know we all need some testimonies? But God says you have to go from glory to glory. In, in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says, first of all, God wants to give you a vision and a purpose for living. Without a vision... People what? Okay, let's say that again. Without a vision, people perish. And why do they perish when you lose sight of what God's called you to be and what God's called you to do? But let's kind of unpack that verse just a little bit. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. it says this. The accurate, I love the NET. If you're not familiar with it, it's an online version of the Bible that you can get. But if you'll know, there's the A, B, C, D. It gives you the Hebrew and the Greek definitions. It's really good. So if you're on, have a computer and you can go to the, get the NET online. A better interpretation from the Hebrew is when there's no prophetic vision for your life, the people cast off restraint. In other words, they stop knowing how to live. They, they stop fighting. They stop without a prophetic revelation. But the one who keeps the law Blessed is he. Now, let me just talk about There's two different kinds of revelation. There's the revelation that comes when God's given you something. Just like when we take the mother of Jesus, Mary. Mary, first of all, God spoke to her, hey, you're going to have a child without having a physical relationship with a man. It's going to be from God. God be it done unto me. Now, how many of you, that's like, okay, that's kind of hard to believe, knowing you're going to be falsely accused, but she was willing to do it. And then when she did have a child, it said that Anna the prophet spoke over her son, Jesus, things to come. And it says she pondered them in her heart. And what happened is even God took Joseph, who said he was going to put her out to pasture and say, Hey, uh, I don't know what to do with this because, you know, I know I haven't been with this lady. Um, but, but then God spoke to him. And he says, when you have this son, you are to name him Jesus. He will be the savior of the world. How many of you know they had a little bit of prophetic revelation of what their son was going to be? Now, in Scripture, 
God talks, it says, if you raise up in Proverbs, it says, if you raise up a child in the way he should go, when he is old, he'll not depart from that. So let me unpack that. Actually, the word there says, if you raise up a child in the giftedness and the prophetic revelation that I have for them, and you raise them up on the knowledge of who I've called them to be, then when they're old, they'll not walk away from me. In other words, there's something that mom and dad have that nobody else in the world has. They have an authority over their children, regardless if they're living with them or not living with them. They have a word from God that this is who my son is going to be, this is who my daughter is going to be. And then you have to walk out, it says, without a prophetic revelation, people cast off restraint. In other words, they don't understand how to live their life or how to raise that child or how to finish their life well. But if they have that prophetic revelation, blessed is he who keeps the law. So there's one, a vision and a purpose. Number two, the law isn't just the Ten Commandments. The law is the words of God in his word that are guiding steps how to live your life. And if you live your life like Psalms 119, how can a young man keep his way pure? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. The word of God is a, is a, a guiding thing that if you'll live your life according to God's word and, and experience both truth and grace, not just legalism and rules, but are, they know their God. They're, you're living the word of God. Just walking in, lining your life up with God's standards of righteousness and how to do life and how to deal with conflicts, how to do your finances, all those things, you're going to be blessed. But that's only part of it. You have to have a prophetic revelation of they know their God and they do great exploits. They're strong because the law, the principles, the word of God keeps them. Second Timothy 3.16. So there's this guiding post. But what happens is, there's a statistic that only about, this is one that's talking about leaders, pastors particularly, that only about 30% of all pastors finish well long term. This is a loving church, but a lot of churches tear pastors to pieces. And, uh, and just life has ways of dealing and destroying us. So, guys, you have a good pastor. You have a, he has an amazing wife. An amazing. Jody, praise God. She loves, she loves he. He comes from, Jody comes from good stock. Amen. So, but let's, let's, let's talk about why is it important to not only know the word and live our life based on the word. We need to have a prophetic revelation of our life, what God's called us to do as a couple, and it's like walking out the prophetic revelation over a long period of time. It's just like you develop this thing called the life message. All right? <clears throat> so we're going to unpack this a little bit today. In life, God, how many of you know God has a plan for your life? We're going to talk about that. Well, God has a plan for your life, but so does Satan. And walking out this journey, God has a plan, and we're going to read it. It says Proverbs 20. Uh, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 13. Let's look at it. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. In other words, God knows he has a plan. For many are called, but what? 
you are chosen. Guys, God has a plan. It says, for I, ha- I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Now, God has a prophetic revelation for your life. There's some things that God's going to speak. But what you have to begin to do is you begin to have to come to God. You have to call out to God. You have to pray to God and ask God, God, show me what is your will for my life today. What is your will for my life 40 years from now? How many of you know God has a call, God has giftedness, and he wants you to walk out and discover those things? So now we know that God has a plan for you. Let's look at another verse. God has a plan for your life. Satan has a plan for your life. Let's talk about that. It's like this. Can you imagine a train track for me for just a second? Here's God's plan for you, and we know that God's plan is his word. You're lining your life up with his word, but God saved you for a purpose. He didn't save you so that you'd have a blessed life. He saved you so that you would be a blessing. He blesses you to be a blessing to others. There's a purpose. There's a sense of destiny. And what happens is you have to seek it out. If you'll seek me, if you'll seek me with your whole heart, and then you have to begin to align your life with what God's will is. If you're bored, if you're doing things you shouldn't be doing, it's because you don't know and understand God's destiny. But when you get a revelation of what God's destiny for you is, it's always so much more than you could ever think or imagine. And by the way, God's going to ask you to be something and do something you cannot do by yourself. Ultimately, you're going to go, oh, God, I can't do this. Finally. Amen? How do you do great exploits? Because you can't and only God can. So a train track. God has a plan. Satan has a plan, and guess what's happened on the train track? There's all these railroad ties or cross members, and those kind of represent the trials of life, the blessings of life, the testings of life, the temptations of life. And then if you get married, it's called people. And you have to pass the people and conflict and integrity and all these tests. And when you're going through these tests, you have the God side and you have the Satan side. And Satan's goal is, again, let's look at John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you guys hear that? So he doesn't want you just to have a bad day. He wants to destroy you, and what he wants to destroy the most is God's destiny and call in you. Because if you begin to understand who you are in Christ and you're not a beaten up puppy because the devil's told you you're not good enough and you begin to believe that you are God's favorite child and you're called to great destiny, then the enemy knows that if, 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 you, if he doesn't stop you, you're going to do much violence to his work. So God has a plan. Satan has a plan. Now, <clears throat> Hebrews... 12.1 says this. Again, this is talking about God's plan and Satan's plan. 
Therefore, also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, we have people like Chris and Eileen who've been walking with Jesus and are closer to Jesus than most people. They have an amazing... Amen. They have an amazing life story of faithfully walking with God, trusting God, gave up their life to move down to Leland to help plant a church at 21. Amen. Amen. It says, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lie aside, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. There's two things we're to lay aside. We're to lay aside everything that entangles us, all right? No, uh, weights that hold us back. Guys, I don't know what your weight is. Your weight could be a great blessing. It could be finances, abundance of finances, a lack of finances. Whatever it is that's stopping you from walking with God, and everybody, again, God has a plan, Satan has a plan. You have your own set of things that are stumbling blocks. Let me give you a little story. Four boys go out drinking. Three of them come home with a, a hangover. One of them comes home as an addict. Why? It says the sins of the father passed on to the third and fourth generation. Because of the sins of the past, there's a susceptibility to alcohol or to addiction. And what happens is we have, all have areas in our life where Satan seems like we're susceptible to a certain sin pattern. And if we don't learn to overcome that sin pattern, that habit pattern then it's going to dominate and control our lives. So all of us have areas that we're going to be tempted with. And so for the one person who realizes one of the greatest gifts you can have from God is to realize where you can't do it on your own and you have to have other people involved in your life. Hey, for you, you can have a beer. You can have a glass of alcohol. But for me, I realize that I have a problem with alcohol. And I can't change if I yield to it. And I have to be involved with some people that help me to overcome this until it becomes, it's like a stronghold. Strongholds either good in Ephesians 4, or Ephesians 4.25, it says, Be angry and sin not, least Satan gain a foothold in your life. Guys, there's area where we're susceptible. Your sin and your stronghold can be different than mine. So one person could have anger, be angry and sin not. One time getting angry is not a stronghold. But when you give yourself to a particular area over and over and over. Pretty soon you can't. You find out, I can't get freedom in this area. So I want to ask you the question. What's your area where you can't find freedom? And you have to learn, God wants to take your area of failure and take your shame and your failure and turn it into the place where you end up becoming. Every member, there's no shame and no pain. That God, if you'll turn to him and begin to build it from a, a, a weak, controlling stronghold to where you've built your life up with the word of God and with the help of other people and acknowledging that I've got a problem, God will take your shame and turn it into your hall of fame. And most of the people that help people with alcohol were once alcoholics. The people who are the best marriage counselors are couples whose marriages were were destroyed, but they paid a price to get back, get in, get healthy, and then get going. Now, guys, I haven't started my sermon yet, so I need to get back to it. <laughs> now, <clears throat> now, 
I think one of the first things that uh, the number one thing that Satan does to get people, again, a train, a train is a powerful thing, can carry lots of weight, and your life is a representing of that train. But what happens is sometimes our lives get stalled. How many of you ever seen where, when you were a little kid uh, <clears throat> and they go out and you put a penny on the train track? What happens? Now, when a train's moving 50 miles an hour, it just crushes it, right? But if you put a penny in front of a train that stopped, the amount of energy it takes to get moving is unbelievable. Can it be done? Yes. But it stalls us out. And when we, when we there's, there's times in our journey with Christ where we get stalled or we've allowed an area to take control. And God wants to change that. You know, again, it's the consistency of walking with God on a daily basis and obeying what he tells you to do on a daily basis. It creates momentum in life so that when Satan's rising his head, sticking up his areas where your weakness, God gives you power to overcome. <clears throat> A verse that I had that I didn't read, which I should have, is um, Romans 12.11. <clears throat> Revelations 12.11 says, And they overcame him by the what? The blood of the Lamb. That means, man, I'm a sinner. I, they overcame because my sins are forgiven, number one. Number two, and the word of their testimony. In other words, I have seen God in the past do amazing things, and when you're confronted with a difficulty, how you overcome the present problem is because you remember your sins are forgiven, you're God's favorite child. The second thing is, is you remember the testimony of what God, which testimony, the ones that God has been faithful in the past, and what they did, the third one is they did not love their life unto death. In other words, when you realize that when you're serving God, God, I'm yours, if it means death or life, I'm going to follow you no matter what. Can I get an amen here? Amen. <clears throat> so, now let's talk about what is God's plan. God's plan, he sends a helper when the Holy Spirit comes in you. And when we do wrong, God sends this thing called conviction. Okay? Not legalism, conviction. Conviction is a gift from God. What is Satan's gift to you? It's condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. What is the difference between conviction, a gift from God, and condemnation, a gift from Satan? Conviction is when, you, when you're going to do something wrong, the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And when we do do that, God says, I love you. I am not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. Conviction says, son, daughter. My relationship with you is hurt. Ask me to forgive you so we can be right back where we were in right standing, right relation. The blood of Jesus cleanses. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Conviction is a gift from God where, the, where our sins are covered through the righteousness of what Christ has done on the cross. Can I get an amen? Now what Satan does when we sin, he tempts us. We yield to his sin. How many of you have ever sinned? For all have sinned to fall short of the glory of God. What happens is when we sin, we ask God to forgive us, but Satan comes back and says, God really didn't forgive you. You blew it again, and you blew it again, and you blew it again. And what happens is 
Condemnation says you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough. You, 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 God's, not, God's never going to use you. You are disqualified from being used from God. How many of you have ever experienced a little condemnation? Scripture says there's therefore now no, none, not any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what should Christians do on this train track of life? Is when they blow it, it said the righteous fall down seven times, but they do what? They get back up and they get back on the track of walking with God's destiny. And they tell Satan, I'm not going to look in the past and like a, a rear view mirror, constantly living in my failures of the past. I am a failure, but I am a child of the king and I am going to overcome because I'm going to acknowledge my sin, not pretend like, pretend like my sin's not there. But God's going to begin, as I align my life with his word, God's going to give me victory. But it's not just victory over sin. The big promise is God has a promise and a plan for your life, and you need to have a revelation of what that vision and that plan is if you're going to finish life well. When you die, which is an inevitability, some of us are closer to Jesus than others. Amen? God's going to ask you two questions. The first question he's going to ask you, a good evangelism explosion question, is why should I let you into my heaven? The wrong answer is I attended Reach Church and Pastor Heath's amazing teaching. Wrong answer. The right answer is I was a sinner and Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And what I did, I just didn't know about it. I reached out and embraced God's forgiveness for my life. And I accepted God's purpose and God's plan. And I received that forgiveness. That's why I should be allowed into heaven. God's going to say, come on in. The next question God's going to ask you is, I, have, I gave you gifts. I gave you a call. I gave you a prophetic revelation. If you sought me, if you sought me with all your heart, if you begin to live your life in alignment with God's will, God's going to say, what did you do with the gifts and the calling? The time that you had on this earth, were you a good steward with what I gave you? All of us want to hear the words what? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. When Chris goes to be with Jesus, he can't do what somebody else and say, I, I was in an amazing church. Eileen can't stand before God and say, I was married to Christ. <laughs> My daughter was Jody. My son-in-law was he. You're going to stand there before God, just you and Jesus. It's called the beam of judgment of Christ. And he's going to say, what did you do? With time limited, I want to quickly walk through the story of Abraham. Abraham's called the father of faith. Now, if you looked at the, first of all, Abraham's name was what? Jacob, right? Israel. Am I wrong? Somebody better pay attention here. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Oh, come on, guys. You've got to stay on, stay on top of the game here. Okay, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Who's his grandson? So Abraham. 
Abraham's father. Before we start about Abraham's father, oh, I thought I heard somebody coming up there. Oh, no. All right. <clears throat> Abraham, his father's name is Terah. Terah, Abraham, Abram's father. Abram's father was a pagan priest in a land called the Ur of Chaldees. It's like the lush resort area of the whole entire region. He was a pagan priest. But both Abraham, now it's not in the Bible, but historically or Jewish tradition says that Terah began to have a revelation, both he and Abraham, of the true and living God. And so we see, uh, starting in Genesis, that the two of them are willing to leave the Ur of Chaldees to go to the land called Cana. How many of you know the land of Cana is supposed to be what, the promised land? How many of you have ever seen a picture of the promised land? It's not cool. It's a desert. It's not lush and prosperous. And God says, out there in the desert is where your promised land is going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. So let's read. Oh, no. Give me three minutes. So Terah took his son Abram, Abram his grandson Lot, son of Haran, who died, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, which was Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from the Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. In other words, they were called by God to go to Canaan. Abram, his wife Sarah, Lot, and Lot is the guy that we're going to use. He had one foot in, he was one foot out, but he was, he was on the train, but it was because of family, not because of his own walk with God. Can we all, we all, if you've been around reading the Bible, you know, Lot was one of the ones. <clears throat> but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Terah was called to go to Taint. Cana, but he, set, he stopped in Haran, and he settled there, and he died at 205 years. Man, you think, oh, man, the guy lived great. He was called to go to Canaan, to the promised land, but he settled there. God has a plan for your life. Satan has a plan for your life. I want to answer the question. Have you settled and not kept the end in mind? Said that after, just give me one minute. And Megan, in two minutes, strong. Let's listen to the call of God over Abram. Genesis 12. The Lord... The Lord had said to Abraham, first of all, Abraham had the ability to hear from God on a consistent basis. But I will tell you one thing. If you'll learn how to daily, everybody say daily, spend time with God and not just read for information to know about God, but you'll read with such a, a, a desire to spend time cultivating a relationship with God where he speaks to you you will see great exploits because God's going to ask you to do things and change things and, and be a part of what he's doing. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, the Ur of Chaldees, <clears throat> Haran, where you were settled, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. 
And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Through what? Through Abraham's willingness to say, God, I don't understand the plan. You're asking me to go someplace I don't want to live. I wanted to plant a church in Colorado where I grew up, where we planted a church that uh, young Heath discipled Joe Adams and where I wanted to plant a church was in Colorado Springs. And God says, I'm going to put you in Pinehurst, Southern Pines, in golf capital, USA. By the way, I'm a Christian. I don't play golf. <laughs> now, I, that, my son-in-law is a golf guy. That's, it's, a, it's a joke. I wanted to go where, where I thought was beautiful. That was the worst place that I thought. But that's become my kingdom. I've seen thousands of people come to Christ. We've trained leaders. We've planted churches. And guys, if you would have ever gasped in college, do you think this guy's going to be a guy that has seen God do so much amazing things? Absolutely not. You know what I do have? Is I know my God. I've obeyed what he's told me to do. And guys, I can tell you, you most of you guys don't know, if you ask me a topic of any given topic, and say, tell me a miracle that God has done in your life. And I'm not saying I have a headache, I prayed the headache went away. I'm telling you, God, give me a land, give a building away worth a million, and then God says, you need that building, and then a couple days later, someone gives us a $5 million piece of property. That took place this last year. Guys, when you walk with God, you can expect God will answer amazing prayers. But the key is you knowing God, knowing His voice, and walking in obedience. And not settling because you've fallen down. The righteous fall down what? Seven times. Is it really seven times? Or is it seven times seventy times seventy? But they get back up and they say, there's therefore now no condemnation. I'm going on with Jesus. Amen. Now play. Guys, I really did get just my sermon started. God's preparing a people. Some of you have been sidelined or settled because of difficulties, because of adversities, because God, when are you going to do something? Abraham left Ur Chaldees at age 75. God telling him, I'm going to give you a son. 25 years later, nothing is happening. Genesis 18, Abraham sees God and two angels walking. He goes and says, Sarah, go prepare a calf. God is coming into the house. And he says, this is what he says to Abram. He says, Abram, should we talk with you about what we're getting ready to do? Nah, let's not do that. How many of you have ever had, how many of you have kids? Hey, should we tell the kids what we're doing for vacation? No, let's not do that. No, no, come on. So he says, hey, I'm getting ready to judge Sodom. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, Abram, I told you 25 years ago, you're now 100 years or 99 years old, that you're going to have a son. This time next year, because you've been faithful, you've held on to a promise, even though you haven't seen the results, you're going to have a son. Sarah, Sarah, on the other side of the tent, listening, like, okay, what's going on? Laughs. 
Who laughed? Not me. Not, I, I, I'm not saying. But guys, Abraham continued to walk with God. And then God asked him to give up a few years later, about 15, 25 years later, or maybe 14 years later, 15, somewhere in that range, the promise that he'd given him. Guys, turning over a church of several thousand people when you've invested your life to go to a place you don't know. For me, it's just another part of my journey. But I know that the next 25 years are going to be the best 25 years of my life. Because I believe God is preparing the body of Christ for one of the most major outpourings in world history. God spoke to me before COVID hit. says, Randy, the next 12 to 18 months are going to be some of the most turbulent times in American history. So we preached sermons before COVID hit about not letting what's getting ready to happen distract us. And then God warned us with the whole Black Lives Matter issue. He says, don't get involved in fights. I've not called you to fight. Guys, Satan, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for the church. Satan has a plan for, for, for the church. And his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan wants us to settle. Satan wants us to walk under condemnation. Satan wants us to lose the prophetic revelation. So I'm going to close. If you don't know Christ, before you leave, you need to give your life to Jesus. God has a plan for your life, but so does Satan. And you need to give your life to Christ and receive his forgiveness. Second of all, I don't know where you are in your journey, but God doesn't waste the shame and God doesn't waste the pain. Some of you may be walking under condemnation and literally have given up hope that God could change your life or your situation. Some of you possibly have settled in Heron. And God sent me here today to tell you it's time to get up and begin to seek me, to begin to seek me with your whole heart because, guys, I am getting ready to do some of the most amazing things the world has ever seen. And if you're not prepared for it, it will pass you by. I'm telling Heath and Jody and the elders and the leaders of this church, it's time to get into action and get going because this church will double, triple, quadruple. And if you're not preparing leaders and training leaders and preparing for what God's ready to do, then you will be used limited. You'll still go to heaven for what God could do if we just trust. So let's all just bow our heads. Father, we thank you today that, God, you've called us to be a people set apart. So if you're here today and and you know that God was speaking to you through this message, maybe you've given in to hopelessness, maybe you've given in to shame and condemnation, maybe you're, you're not that one. You're saying, God, hear my sin me. I will walk and do. Then God says, come up here, son. Let me tell you what's getting ready to happen. Because of your faithfulness, daughter, let me show you what I'm going to do. God's looking for us to be a part of what he's getting ready to do. So, Father, I pray you'd be with Reach Community. You'd be with those that are here today, those that are questioning, God, is this a church that I should be a part of? The answer should be, if God's called you here, he will confirm it. And I would say yes. God, bless this church. Bless them with 
fulfilling the mission that God, that you sent Keith and Jody out to do, to fulfill your promise, your word to them. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm sure there'll be some people up here available for prayer. I, I should ask Keith, but if you need prayer, come get prayer. Don't walk away. And then I'm just going to tell you, get in the game and quit lollygagging. Jesus loves you. And he, this is a serious time with God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.